Hey, everybody, and welcome into the New England Ski Journal Basecamp Podcast. I am your host, Eric Wilber. I'm joined by Mike Specian right here to my left. Mike, how are you? Eric, I am doing fantastic. Good. You know what? We're three weeks, three weeks away from the World Cup at Killington. I know. Isn't it? It's great. It's awesome. Like th- I, this, is, this is our time to shine. This is, this is our Christmas. This is our New Year's. This is our Easter, whatever holiday you want to put in there. This is what we start gearing up for in the spring and the summer and, and circling that count, that date on our calendar that we may not know when the first day is we're going to ski. We don't know the first day it's going to snow, but we know that that, that competition, you know, particularly after last year, no matter how bad the snow is, that competition is going to happen Thanksgiving weekend. Well, with the amount of firepower that they have on Superstar, I can't tell you how many years it's like, oh my goodness, are they going to make it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of like watching the Food Network going, are they going to finish that chopped yeah. episode? Well, that, that's why I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even using it as a storyline this year because last year was so insane in how they did it literally pretty much overnight turned a superstar into a course worth of uh, worthy of world cup racing was just an impressive feat of their snowmaking prowess. So hats off to them. I know they can do it again. if need be. I I just hope we have somebody that can uh, actually podium or something. I don't know if we have it. Do we? Oh, there's the, there's the Burke, the Burke product that will be there still too. Yeah. And, and the person living out near Berkshire East now too. Right. Yep. Her too. So, yeah, yeah I, th- I think we have some players. So, yeah, the, the, the star power will, will be there, no doubt. One thing I did want to discuss with you, though, was it, it was a pretty interesting turn of events up in Jackson, New Hampshire recently when Black Mountain came out, sent an email saying that they will not operate for the 23-24 season that the Sheriff family had cited a number of different factors in making this very difficult decision. Uh, and, and that led to... I hadn't even written my obituary yet, but we we saw lots of obituaries for this place. I mean, the Black Mountain's where I learned to ski. I learned to ski in the J-Bar, and, and that's a very point of pride for me that I learned on such a historic piece of equipment in such a historic land that Black Mountain was. So that was sad. And then a week later, we get an email saying Black Mountain will open for the season. And what ended up happening there was the Indi- it, Black Mountain's on the Indy Pass. It's one of the mountains that Indy has been so successful with there. And Indy came to the rescue and really kind of helped out the Fisheras in what, whatever capacity they can this year. And um, hats off to, to Indy Pass owner Enton Bonney, um and founder Eric Morganson, who really has stepped up and put his money where the mouth is, right? Like, they own the Indy Pass. They're here to steward this relationship with independent resorts. And then when one struggles, they're there to try and help. I think it's a, just a tremendous story. And, and it's a, another way that the Indy Pass has really, really become, and I don't want to say become a player on the on the season pass market because it's more than that. They really become a steward for these small Indy, Indy areas. And I think that even if you thought the Indy Pass was just one way they did it, for them to step up and do this as Black Mountain – now, granted, we don't know all the behind the scenes. I'm sure there's a lot of infighting here, right? Like between the Fisheras and, and, and who's paying what. But for a company to step up like this and to really truly put its put its its wallet where its mouth is and where its advertising dollars are and its PR campaign is, is, is just tremendous. And, and hats off to them. I applaud them. Well, 
boy, when when the news came out, I thought we we're going to be net zero growth in New Hampshire again. Black was going away and Tenny's coming back, but we're plus one again, which which is good in this day and age of scary ownership, especially the independents. These smaller areas, these independent areas in marketplaces like North Conway, like Plymouth, are so important for the community. I am so stoked that Black has another lifeline. Right. So from that standpoint, we need to support them. Right. The, the, anybody that was upset about Black potentially closing needs to put their money where their mouth is and go ski them this year. Right. And I think that Black is the kind of place, I think, right now where if the conditions are perfect, then, oh, my, you're not going to find many similar skiing experiences in all of New England. Uh, the terrain is it's old school. It hasn't been widened. It hasn't been flattened. It, it, it's not they're not fo- they're not obsessed with grooming. Right. And that's great, except that sometimes when there's not enough snow, the conditions can be iffy. And I, I'm curious to see what this partnership with IndyPass does. Is there going to be a little bit more focus on snowmaking, right? Will they will they be cutting costs because will they be only running one lift? Will it only be the triple because the double has a, a halfway point? You have to staff that. It's going to be interesting to see the sort of wrinkles that go into this this year and to make black a, a healthy ski area. I think the other part that they're doing, that they've got Andy Shepard on board to try and find a, a, a buyer for the place, is, again, just them putting their, their, their wallet where their mouth is and that they are acting and not just saying they're going to do something. Andy Shepard, of course, he helped broker the deal that brought Saddleback Mountain back, and, and he's had a lot of, of, of this in his past. So the fact that he has been attached to finding a buyer for black and, and understands the history of that mountain in the region. I mean, the, for the week that Black had closed, right, it was no ski area had been in Jackson, New Hampshire, or it would have been the first season that no ski area had operated in Jackson, New Hampshire since the 1930s. It's almost 100 years we're talking. So that is, is such history that we have really just sort of, I don't want to say revived, but we've held on to, right? Not like the Black Mountain situation is not, gumdrops and, and lollipops right now. There, there's still some some things that need to be uh, ironed out. They may not be able to open next year. Who knows? Uh, but we know for right now, today, what we can do today is we can appreciate the fact this place is open. And like Mike said, go ski it. It's go, worth it. Go ski it. So community-run ski areas have become more and more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think black is viable to any major buyer that will do it for profit. I do believe... Particularly surrounded by two... Well, surrounded by four quality ski areas also in in Atitash, Wildcat, Bretton Woods, which isn't far, and Cranmore. Mm -hmm. Um, And King Pine, for that matter. Well, and King Pine, we're going to throw Pleasant in the mix, which is now part of the Boeing Group. So I've seen this happen an area that I ran my senior year of college in Pennsylvania called Ski Denton is just got bought by local businessmen. It's state-run, but it's coming back as a community ski area right now. It is doable, 
And I, I just hope the community comes forth and embraces it and makes it something special. Yeah. Because I, that's, that's what I really want. It's, it, it is funny because black, black has, has seen some hard times lately. And a lot of that is because of the money that, that it, it costs a lot to run a ski area. And when you are competing with all that in the Mount Washington Valley, it's tough. And so black can, can, it can look a little bit beaten up sometimes. That's part of the charm, but it's also part of the the, the reason why people may uh, scratch that. I don't know what I wanted to say there. It can look a little beat up, right? But I think the more people go, the more people embrace it, the more people use their indie passes there, there's going to be reason for more to be sunk in to the cost, correct? I think that it's going to be... Like I said, I'm just fascinated to see what happens at Black well, this year. I, I can't wait to go. I go every year, so I'm not concerned about my, my my dollars not going there. I'm just I want people to understand that it's a special place. It's not if you've got an epic pass and you're about getting as many runs in as you can in a day. This is not for you. Okay, the lifts are slow, and they should be slow because the mountain gives you enough work on your legs that you need that time to relax, to get up there, to to rejuvenate. Black is is a, a special place, and it's it's something that I think we all need to appreciate in our own way. Just understand that black is never going to be what it isn't. You know what I mean? This is not going to be Okemo anytime soon. And I think that the nor nor do nor should it ever be. Nor do I ever want it to be. No, God no. Okay, so when you're when you're thinking about going somewhere, and you might have. Eric just said the Indy Pass. You might have an Indy Pass, or you might have an Epic or an Icon Pass, yada, yada. Do me a favor. Go to the window and buy a ticket for one day and and see something really special. And by the way, the bar at Black is pretty frigging cool. Yeah. I love old school. That's awesome. So we're, we're talking about ski areas that have come back. You know what? I, I, before we go on, I want, I want to say one more thing that just kind of hit my mind that one of my favorite days I went skiing in the past, I'd say, 10 years or so was a day at Cochran's in, in Vermont. I think we took two runs, three runs. My boots were killing me. They were brand new and, and, and it was awful pain. But being able to be on a T-bar with Barbara Cochran, Barbara Ann Cochran, and to sit in the lodge with Barbara Ann and to hear her tell stories about that family and, and seeing in that atmosphere all the, the, the race paraphernalia and whatnot, that's one of my favorite days I've ever gone skiing, and I skied maybe two runs down Cochrane's. It was more about just the, the camaraderie and the people I was with and the history I was putting myself in. Black is a lot like that, and I want to see black purchased by someone who appreciates that and publicizes is not the word, but makes it known, right? Like, I want someone who buys black to make it known this is a very special place, and you should come ski it, and this is why. And I know there's that person that that can be out there. I know there is. So there's this little thing called the lost ski areas of sure. New England, yeah. okay? And I don't want to add any more to that. There's there's no need because the skiing population's there. We just have to find the right skiers or the right owners for each, which looks like we're in the right mode with Tenny and Black. Mm -hmm. Ski shops, especially in the Boston area, but also up north, have seen the same thing. Right. I mean, when I came out of co college, I worked for a little chain called Carol Reed. Mm -hmm. 
um, which wasn't a little chain. It was a player. Um, some great people came out of it, including John Morrow, who is heads up KTP up in Kittery. Um, I go around New England. David Rogers is was at Carol Reed. I go around New England and run into so many people that were compatriots at that time. Then, here in the greater Boston area, we lost Ski Town in Braintree, which was huge. Mm-hmm. We lost the old Alpine in Warwick, Rhode Island, which was also huge. Right. Yep. I mean, these stores used to have August sales with lines around the building. And then my old employer's ski market, which was really the number one ski retailer east of the Mississippi by far. It's, it's funny. When I did the book with Dan Egan, 30 Years in White Haze, available at Amazon right now, or whitehaze.com, one of the, 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 the things that I think people enjoyed most was sort of that period of all the ski shops in Boston area, right? Like I, I had different marketers come up to me and, and they would say how much they enjoyed reliving like that period of time. And if you look back on it, 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 I mean, you can speak to it obviously the best, but it's amazing when, when you used to drive and you would have a ski shop here or maybe you go another 10 miles, there's another ski shop there. Nothing, right? It's, it's a tough business nowadays. And so when you're, when you're thriving, it means you're doing something right. Yeah, it does. There aren't many multi-store ski shops left in New England. Mm. There really are not. Right. It's it's tough unless you have family to run it. It's very difficult to find employees, of course, these days. But it's also having a model that works for your market and knowing what your market is. And today we're going to have somebody on that's been able to do that. Right. I mean, Country Ski and Sport is prepping for their, well, their fourth annual um, ski expo in Hanover. I mean, they've, they've done the expo for about eight years now, right? But four years in Hanover, and this year is going to be bigger and better than ever. We're going to have Ray Stenson and Ray Stenson III from Country Ski on to talk about this year's expo, what to expect, what sort of deals, and to talk a little about the family business, which is its third generation, which is, like we just said, for all those ski companies have gone and uh, come and gone to have a, a store a business in its third generation still thriving really says something. And it's, it's, it's great to have such a resource for so many Massachusetts skiers that aren't in the backyard of the mountains. They are here and they are gut, fantastic, dependable people to answer their questions about skiing and their equipment. So we are going to have Ray and Ray the third on right after this. All right, welcome into the Basecamp Podcast. Joining us in studio and on the line, we've got in studio, we've got Ray Stenson III. And on the line, we've got Ray Stenson, both from Country Ski and Sport. We're going to talk about the the huge expo that's going on over Veterans Day weekend. Ray and Ray, thank you to both of you, and thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Hey, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Ray, question for you. We just talked a few minutes ago about how many Ski shops have come and gone in the greater Boston area, especially, and also Connecticut. Sort of give us an idea. You guys have been in business since 1970. Tell us how it all came about. Sure. Well, my father taught his family how to ski in 69. 
He there was only one local ski shop you could buy stuff at. So he, my father, being the creative guy that he was, called his company, Wolverine Worldwide, who was importing a new ski the following year called Rosignol. And he was one of the first dealers in New England to get them. And he figured, well, if you can't sell them, we'll give them to his kids. And that is how it began. Wow. That's so he was one of the first uh, dealers for Rosie when they came into the country? Very first year, yes. <laughs> and that, that year must have been 70. Wow, that's that's more than amazing to me. The things I yeah. didn't know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, Ray, you're the third generation. Um, do you remember all the stores uh, that have come and gone in the marketplace? No, not so much. I was I was only made aware of country ski and sport growing up. That was the only ski <laughs> shop that existed to me. Good, good job. Excellent. Well, well, was that your grandfather or your father? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Well. I worked, I worked for a little company called Ski Market, which was pretty, pretty big in the Boston area, I would say. And when I'm, I also worked for a company called Carol Reed back when, which was also huge in the area. And right in the Quincy area, there was this other shop called Ski Town. Uh, as well as Elms Ski Shop. Along as Elms. Oh my goodness. They're all gone. How, how how did you survive that, Ray? When when he all these he ate rice. <laughs> good what? service, fair pricing, good service. Tell the customer what they need, not what they don't. Okay, and yeah. does that does that still stay to today? Hundred percent, and ninety percent of our new customers are referrals. Okay, uh, yeah, for sure. What? So I just want to ask you about growing up. Like, how did you grow into the business? Like, what was your first job at Country Ski? Did you begin? My first job when I was in high school, coming in after school to foam ski boots. Yeah, and my first job growing up was shagging skis during school vacation weeks and whatnot, Mm -hmm. and then eventually selling skis and helping out in, like, October tent sales was always a big one for us during Columbus Day weekend. And then I went to college not thinking that I was going to work in a ski shop, and I found out that that's all I wanted to do. Now, you, you went, so you went to college not thinking you want, didn't want to be part of the business? Right, exactly, yeah. I went to college thinking I was going to seek something else out. Mm-hmm. Growing up, my grandfather and my dad were always like, oh, you need to get a real job. So I was convinced that's, that's what I need to do. And then I went to school up in Vermont, and I worked at a, a ski shop up there called the Alpine Shop. Yep. And once I graduated, I remember calling Ray and being like, I think this is what I want to do. And then so I, I moved back home, worked with Ray and Quincy for a year, and then we opened up the Westwood shop. Tremendous. See, I would think growing up in a, in a ski family, I'd be like, ooh, that's exactly what I'm doing all my life. So that's that's great that you tried to branch out, and then, no, right back into the family. Where did you go to school? I went to Champlain College in UVM up in Vermont. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I'm, awesome. A Saint, I'm a Saint Mike's guy. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I went there to ski. Yeah, well, I, I think all of us did. I've, I've got my, my nephew lives in Virginia. And he went to UVM a couple weeks ago, and and that's his number one point. That's his number one choice. Oh, yeah. So we're very excited to have another reason to be there all the time. Yeah, so. yeah. Flashcards on chairlifts work well. Yeah, exactly. So, Ray, did, did you know this? He was, you know, you sent him to college, and he was just going to ski? Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, I looked at his schedule one year, and all his classes were Thursday afternoon and Thursday night. Oh, that's all I could get. I go, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, uh, you can't pull uh, the shades over my eyes. Right. 
Uh, Things I, work differently in Vermont. They're, the the schedule the schedules actually work in your favor that way. They have to. I mean, oh, I, I see that. I saw that for four years. <laughs> exactly. Well, like so many of New England's ski shops through the years, they were family affairs. It's one of the one of the few places in the country where there's a lot of family run ski shops still operating. You guys have a family affair also. Who who works in the in the business with you? Well, my brother and Mark are co quote partners, and his son and Ray run a couple of stores and help. His son helps with the warehouse and the internet, and Ray is the bag of all tricks. More lately, becoming my right hand man and helping me with all the books and the buying, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we all have shared responsibility. We get along amazingly well for a family business. Uh, my father did make one thing perfectly clear before he passed, that someone had to be the boss. So I guess that was elected me at the time because I was the oldest. And, and that's that. So the market has changed a lot from the old days, I'd say. And I think, oh, yeah. I think the junior lease is a great example and how you offer Oh, my that. God, yeah. How did that change the business model? And what is your relationship with Saddleback that you're, that you're – able to offer a free season pass, which we used last year, was absolutely tremendous. Right. Well, for us, the, 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 jun- the junior lease program has changed the market tremendously for the better. It gets the c- consumer's child out there for a reasonable price all year. It gets them back in the store every August, September. And with that, junior comes the parent, and they're doing some preseason shopping. Oh, I think I'd like to try on a pair of boots. Oh, I... I, I like this jacket. You know what I'm saying? So it helps business tremendously in the preseason. And yet it gets a lot of business, and, and I, 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 this might not be the right word, out of the way, meaning when we're not so busy. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And there's no rush to get anything done because they're not going to go see it on the weekend. So you can just kind of mosey through it. So it yeah. works out well. Hey, Ray, remember, remember that phone call I gave you while working in Vermont? Hey, maybe we should start a lease program. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was working at up in Vermont and the Alpine shop, which I was working at, had a huge successful lease program. And at the time, it was one of the only ones around. And we did like some buyback programs and that sort of stuff. And I called Brain. I'm like, hey, you should really get into this. It's going to be it's going to be big. It's the next big thing. He's like, oh, all right, we'll give it a shot. And then I think a couple of years in, we were the numbers were just adding up and it makes thousands sense. Yeah, well, it makes yeah, sense. Especially yeah. if you own your own gear and you're a family of like two or three. The one thing with the lease program, which most people don't understand, is every year you're going to need to adjust your bindings. If the kids aren't growing in size, and you need a tune up. Yeah, yep. tune up, and that that's more than half the cost of that. So it's it's really beneficial, especially with the yeah the seasons pass. Well, geez. especially the season pass, and I've got three kids, and they're getting older now. But especially when they were like five, six, seven, and they're just starting out, and you. And you it, it, the renting is a complete nightmare to actually be able to lease your skis and to have the comfort to know that if their foot grows over the winter, that I'm going to be able to upgrade or to get a, a different boot. Um, yeah. it, it's just that, that peace of mind is worth everything. Well, and the other thing too, it's like, right. you don't have to be the super dad anymore being like, Oh, my son's an amazing skier. Mm-hmm. My daughter's an amazing skier. I need to get that bigger size. It's like, well, you know what? Just go with the small size, make sure it's good. If, they need a bigger size, come on in. It's like, mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. You don't have to plan for the future. You plan for now. Right. You know? It's it's sort of like renting skis out west then, where if if there's a powder day, you want a different ski. Yeah. You, if something's not fitting, come in and get a fix, which is cool. When did that all start for you guys, the lease program? What year? Ooh, I'd say 2000, 2007, 2008 probably. 
what, what, what year did we, we what year did you graduate college? Probably 2008 then. That would probably be the year yeah. that it started. Boy, I Ray, believe so. Boy, yeah. Ray, you're getting old. Yes. Uh, me, I am. <laughs> Both. <laughs> well, my birthday's not until Thursday, so I'm not old yet. <laughs> oh, happy birthday. There you go. Happy birthday. Thank you, everybody. Okay, Thank so you. so let's back up to when you decided to become the retailer for the uh, the Biwi Boston sure. Sn- Snow Sports Expo a few years ago. Yes. Why did you decide to expand your business that way, and what did it tell you well, about what the consumer yeah. was looking for? Well, it, it the reason I wanted to was I saw tremendous opportunity for the brand, meaning country ski sports, and afterwards, and uh, the consumer wants a deal. When I, and I and I went in there and I provided them with those deals the first year. And it just grew, 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 grew until we, we had COVID. And then the year of COVID, I said, I, I had already purchased all this merchandise show <clears throat> in November. So I said, hey, let's just have a, we got an 18,000 square foot warehouse. Let's just put a show on right here. And that's how the show down there began. And now we we rent out the, the 15,000 square feet next to us as well and connected by doors. So it's 33,000 square feet. And we have bands, beer gardens. But most importantly, the most fantastic ski sale in New England of the year. Yeah, and it was kind of COVID's kind of then it was kind of a blessing because it it allowed us to to start that. I truly believe that the show is much better than it was in Boston. You can come in, mm-hmm. you can drive, you can park. You don't charge for admission. You don't have to. I always wondered how people would haul all their stuff from the venue to their cars on the subway, all that sort of stuff. Now you can just hop on the highway. The warehouses. Right off the highway, you get, like Ray said, bands, music, all the same, great same service that you got in Boston, but just in a better environment. Yeah, Han- Hanover's, Hanover's pretty cool. Yeah, it, great location. The, the beauty of the vibe in Boston was because you brought everybody to that. It, Bernie Weichel, who was a close friend of mine, a phenomenal promoter, but the ski sale was what drove it even – even during my 20 years with Ski Market, that's what drove that whole business. And I I think Bernie and I have talked numerous times, along with Doug Fish, who's a promoter out of, and the original owner of Indie Pass, is that people people are looking for a sale. They're looking for an event of that nature. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, well, every year, this time of year, people are starting to get excited for the season, right? They're looking for deals. They're getting ready to get their new stuff. And having that big sale is just a place for us to throw everything in front of them at one point, right? You don't have to come in and make 15 different sales between November. It's like, here, it's our biggest sale of the year. This is when you need to come. You're going to get great service and great equipment. Is this the fourth year of the expo? It's it's going to be our eighth year since Boston, but we did four years in Boston, and this will be our fourth year in the, at the warehouse, yeah. Okay, and so how has it grown since that first one at the warehouse? Like, what when you look back on 2020 and look back on 2023, what it, what's going to be different? I mean, it's grown, like, tremendously. The, the first year, we just had our warehouse, and it was kind of thrown together last minute. It was COVID. No one knew what to do. We didn't know if the week before if it was going to happen, if we were going to allow to have it, right? And then what we realized is the outcome of people was tremendous. People wanted to get out of the house. They wanted to come in. They wanted to get ready for ski season. It was a way for everybody to get excited from getting out of the house. But since then, I mean, we've tripled the space, beer garden, the gear, I mean, music. It's, it's now a true event, not a sale. 
So what else is going on at the event? You say beer garden, music, food trucks, is that correct? Yeah, yep. Food trucks all day long, beer all day long, music. There's going to be a couple different vendors this year. We have TGR, we have Levitate brand, we have Where's Woody. So there's going to be other companies to buy gear from that's selling it there at a discounted value other than country ski and sport. And again, just trying to help the community and to get more people together. Awesome. Well, interesting you say that. Ray, has this turned into more than just a ski event, more of a community event then? I believe I believe it has, Michael. Everybody looks forward to it every year. We have some people that come every year and they say, hey, I bought my skis last year. I'm going to drop them off for tuna. But I just wanted to come and have a beer and talk to the manufacturer's reps. Yeah, Sundays come into more of like a hangout event. Like a lot of returning people just coming to hang out, listen to some music, have some beers, chat with the reps. We we encourage them to buy more beer so they buy something on the way up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Ray, how do you staff an event like this? Because you, I assume this is a lot more personnel than you normally have in your shops, correct? Oh, yes. And remember, the shops are still open as well, although they do quiet right down. First of all, friends, I'm my number one friend, manufacturers, reps, they come and they also refer their friends who, who we get. And, and it's now doing it to the fourth year, we have many repeat friends of friends of friends. That's that type of thing. Some are, some are unskilled in the ski world, but they help with clothing. They, they do simple tasks as much as help with bag up front. We do have plenty of trained staff there in the ski boot area and the ski area and trained staff to help fit helmets all the imp- and, and help you assist you in purchasing your ski bag, all, all the proper things. So once again, we try to take that in-store philosophy of great service, get the right thing at a very good price, and pass that along for those four days. Yeah, just to add something, I mean, this is, will be our eighth year, and I'd say – 75% of the people that are working here have been there since day one. So it's like community thing, even for them. Oh, great to see you. Ski season starts next week. And they're all skiers, so that's what we all share in common. Cool. Well, once in a while, they throw in a snowboarder. Right. Uh, <laughs> just once in a while. We, we once, deal with them, yeah. Once in a while. Yeah, it's <laughs> all good. However you want to skid down the hill is good with me. Um, yes, sir. So, Ray the Third, some idea. What... What's exciting this year for you in gear? What's, what's coming out that's new? Oh, there's so much exciting stuff this year, especially in ski boots. I feel like uh, the ski boot world has made quite a jump. Um, you know, a lot of new technology out there. Um, you know, I, I'd like to get in talking about ski boots and what's the best, but it really, that's definitely a fit thing, right? You might see something in the ski boot world that new technology, oh, like I need to have that. Well, that's really not the right answer. You need to go get fit. But we have a lot more tools being able to fit feet this year. Like one of my – one of the coolest things I think is BOA, right? We've seen BOA on yes. almost everything, ski boots. I mean, snowboard boots, running shoes, cycling shoes. And this year we have it in, in ski boots, and it's it's already had a huge impact. That That is awesome. You know what? When You just brought up BOA, and this is to yeah. the listener as as an old-time – boot fitter, ski shop manager. Boa is fantastic, but I thought what Ray the Third just said, it's about fit. Boa will not change a shell. If the shell is wrong, it's wrong. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's that's number one, and that's something to take home for all of us. 
Yeah, no, definitely. The biggest mistake consumer makes, and I see it every day, but boot fitter, I have been doing it for a very long time, as you guys just found out. But the biggest thing is people come in, they're like, I need this boot. And, uh, and we could make it work for you, but the, really, if you want the best boot, whether you come to my shop or you go to someone else's shop, listen to the boot fitter, give him your foot, and let him put you in the right boot. You're going to have a great time. I mean, I think one every... Of one, yep. Yeah, one of the worst things I hear is, a guy will come in, oh, my, my friend has this head booted, and that's what I want to get. I go, well, your friend and you have got two different feet. you, you, you got to get fitted. I, I think that's um, really a biblical way to say it because yep. the bottom line is I just, when I see people with boots collapsed in around their feet trying to get them to tighten up enough so they can ski and – it, it bothers me, and I see it in at all levels, and that really bothers me. Yeah, it's always funny when you're walking around the ski lodge and you kind of want to go over and be like, hey. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, And we've also implemented a new thing since COVID, and we're stuck with it. It's make an appointment because that way you get the boot fitter all to yourself for about 45 minutes, and, and, and that's a much better experience than him doing three fits at once, forgetting what he was going on with your boot, moving on to the next guy and coming back to you. Having that uh, dedicated service is just phenomenal. It really is, yeah. It, especially yeah. you know from someone who experienced it during COVID and then post COVID, just to be able to log on and, and schedule an appointment was easy. Yeah. So, can you both give the listener a, a, a little bit about what to expect for deals at this huge event? You know, skis and boots up to sixty percent off. It says oh, hundred percent on that, and clothing. You know, the average clothing price off. I'm going to say is for last year's goods is forty to fifty, and we have. Plenty of this year is good too. At twenty to thirty off, and we've got we've got we've got everything we have in the stores there, even even deals on gloves, mittens, helmets, bags, all the accessories you could think about. Um, we'll have them. Even the stuff we're not supposed to sell on deal, we do for this event. What do you usually find is the biggest seller? Like, do people come in specifically for skis, or is it a big jacket well, weekend? Well, this is going to sound very odd. Skis and snowboards for sure, boots for sure. But if it's the weather is favorable, we can sell more jackets than anything. But if we get a warm day like today, yeah, not so much. It's, it's amazingly, if it's cold out, they'll look at it and say, oh, that's kind of looking. Try it on and just put it in the bag. Yeah, I mean, this year we're kind of excited too. As everybody knows, during COVID, things were hard to get, right? Mm -hmm. The ski industry sold out of everything, right? So there's a couple of years mm -hmm. where we really couldn't provide that deal because we couldn't buy it. But this year... It's back. Yeah. I mean, it's better yeah. than ever. Our, our clothing selection. In the past yeah. couple of years, the deals have not been as good because we weren't able to go and buy what they call closeouts, which are manufacturers leftovers because they didn't exist. Yeah, plenty those, of them All year, those so. deals are back. Yeah. They're all back. Yeah, I mean, wow. boots, in, in skis. Yeah. I mean, you're going to walk out there with a large amount of savings. So. That's awesome. Right. Well, I, I think the benchmark for how people feel about the coming season has always been the retailer. What what are you guys what are you guys hearing from the skier that's coming in? Are they excited? Oh yeah, I mean, have you looked at the uh, farmers' almanac? It's going to snow. <laughs> I love it. That's what everybody tells me, and I know <laughs> it. So it's going to be a good year. And I, actually, the everybody seems to be super excited. Good vibe coming in. Our lease season, an amazing kickoff, and it really hasn't stopped. So I want to start snowing in a few weeks. I mean, I can only imagine. Right? Yeah, How we had our biggest August in our history. Oh, that's fantastic! Wow. That's that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. How do you yeah. how do you think the Icon and Epic Pass 
have affected your business for that type, for leases, for the average consumer? I, mean, I, I think, from my opinion, I think it's been a huge asset. I think the people are skiing more, using their gear more, buying more things, accessories, etc., more often, because they're just making the more trips mountain. I mean, I can't tell you how many people say, well, I never used to ski Sunday, but now that I get the pass, he goes, I'll go out and make three or four runs and go home. Yeah, I mean, when you have a pass, it makes it much easier to go for a half day. I mean, Mike, you ski all the time. Oh, I, he does, yes. Every, everybody <laughs> thinks I ski that much. I don't know what they're talking about. I and, see your Instagram. <laughs> and Saddleback, I mean, if you haven't been to Saddleback, is one of the, 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 the crown jewels of New England. Just getting there, it's it's some of the most unique lift surf skiing in all the regions. So to get a pass there is just tremendous benefit. I want to thank you both for coming on the program with us. I want to, Eric, hold, I do okay. have one question about Saddleback. Yes. Do you, do you uh, follow their Facebook page? I do, yes. What do you think about Donnie Pelletier? I'm trying to get him to come to the show. <laughs> I don't know much about Donnie Pelletier, but he is a he's a he's interesting. He's a That's what it is. Yeah, he's a character. Yeah. Right. yeah, no, get him to yeah. come. That'd be great. I've got I've got yeah. one last question for you guys. I know there's yeah. going to be a bunch of resorts at the show. Um, for yeah. the listener, who's going to be there that they can come see? Yeah, so well, I think the easiest way would be to go to countryskiexpo.com, where they're all very much there. I mean, we're we got our flagships of Loon, Waterville, Sugarbush, Michael, correct me? Yeah, Saddleback, Whaleback. I mean, there are a bunch. We don't want to miss any of them. So, like Ray said, just go to countryski.com at the top of the page. Expo.com. Yep. Well, if you go to countryski.com, there's an expo tab at the top of the page, and it will bring you to all the information, hours, that sort of stuff. And as we get more information on band times, all that stuff will be on there as well. So. Excellent. Well, I, I want to thank both of you for coming on the show today. Thanks, Eric. I also want to thank you both for uh, sponsoring this program uh, throughout the year. Uh, it's it's a great honor to have this partnership and to uh, to I can't wait to enjoy the fruits of the labor on on over right. over Veterans Day weekend, the big expo coming up, and being able to enjoy that and finding some good deals for this winter. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, by all means, and to the listener, I'm I'm a I was a longtime local retailer. Shop local. These are your friends, your neighbors. I don't care if you're up in Vermont or in Massachusetts. Shop local. Don't go online and order. It's not worth yeah, it. Nope. It really isn't. It's get, it's get it fit for you. Yep, absolutely. That is Ray Stenson and Ray Stenson the third from Country Ski and Sport on the Base Camp Podcast presented by Country Ski and Sport. We will be right back after this. All right, Mike, so what are you going to be getting at the expo? Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I want to look at the new BOA boots. I had one on last year. What did you think? Um, I'm going to reiterate time and time again. My fear is BOA, for some people, they'll say they need it without understanding that the boot might not fit their foot. Um, I've got a very low volume foot, so there's really one BOA boot, which is the Atomic, that'll fit my foot. Mm -hmm. Okay, the other ones, when I played with the boots up in Vermont last year, um, the micro adjustment is good, but when everything is said and done, it's no different than a four-buckle traditional overlap boot. So is this going to be the the new wave, or is this a a flash in the pan? Well, I, I think... I love BOA. I use BOA on my riding shoes. I use them. I've been using BOA forever. Um, You know, it works on an Apex boot. 
because of how it's designed. Um, no, I, I think Bo is going to be there. I just, people need to be educated about what boot is right for them, not what gadget on a boot is right. And, you know, everybody's, you know, the ski, ski industry, um, if you remember back when, went super narrow on skis, then super wide on skis. Mm-hmm. Now it's coming back to some facsimile in between. Right. Um, you know, here in New England, um, I do not need anything over a hundred wasted ski because if you know how to use the product, that's the key. Ninety percent of the time, I'm at eighty underfoot, even in even in the trees. From talking to Ray Stenson and Ray the Third, there are going to be some great deals down there. There always are, and you know, I I I'm not in the market for skis per se this year, but I am. Why? Well, I mean, I am always, but okay. You know, but, I'm always the market for skis, but I'm not looking, I'm not going to buy, if I walk out of there with a pair of skis, it's not going to be a huge shock, okay? But I'm not walking in there planning to purchase a pair of skis. Does that make sense? No. Okay. It doesn't, hold it, hold it. You're a podcast rock star getting paid millions. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Well, yeah. That's where I go in my Belichick mode there. Um, you know, I, I know, like, I'm going to walk in there. I'm going to want to get something, and my wife's not going to be there, so I can do it. It's going to be great. Um, but, you know, the main goal for me to go there is I know all the kids need new helmets. They all need new jackets. They all need new gloves. It's going to be a great way to go in there and just Christmas shop one big fell swoop, and the kids are done. It's going to be fantastic. Well, this is all from Dad here. Well, from my perspective – a new ski and boot just arrived at the house. I I think I'm all set. There are there are days or, or there are times where I'll come home and I'll have won a pair of skis at some, you know, function. It's like, well, I got a pair of skis here. What should I do? Um, so my dad has gotten a pair of skis that way. My brother has gotten a pair of skis that way. It's been very, very lucrative. Well, this this coming weekend, um, I can tell you if you need if you need skis, Veterans Day is the time to get down there. What are the dates of the show this year? November 9th through 12th. That's Veterans Day weekend in Hanover. Uh, Country Ski and Sports, uh, New England's largest ski expo center. Get the best deals on ski and snowboard equipment as well as preseason lodging and season pass deals. Free parking, which is a huge one. Um, And admission, New England's largest clear sale. It's Thursday, November 9th through Sunday, November 12th, and as Ray said, this Sunday you can pretty much expect like kind of a hangout day. Like everyone's just back reveling in the fact that they're at a ski show all weekend. Uh, on Thursday, 11 to 8, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., Saturday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., and on Sunday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., the warehouse is at 389 Columbia Road, that's Route 53, in Hanover, Massachusetts, uh, located right behind Tractor Supply Company. There'll be signs there. It's an easy jaunt right off Route 3 um, if you're coming from the north. If you're coming from the south, uh, Route 3, or do the same way. I teach in Hanover, and I, and I drive to uh, right around there every day. It's very easy to get to. So looking well, forward to spending the day in Hanover. Well, I'm just glad as a retailer, a ski retailer at heart. Well, this is your wheelhouse. This, this, is, great. this, is, this is what I did, um, you know, 
as a ski retailer, I'm just glad family businesses like this are still moving forward for so many years. Nineteen seventy sixty nine. Sixty nine. So since then, um, I'm just glad they're surviving. And once again, I said it before, I'll say it again. Please shop local. I have never bought anything on Amazon, nor do I have any desire to. Um, I really want to support local communities and the local ski community more than anything. You know, I think I bought a ski bag on Amazon about six or seven years ago, and that's about it. Um, just because it's, I, I like to feel in touch, right? I want to, I want to hold what I'm getting, what I'm purchasing. And, you know, the, the expo is a great place for that. I've, I've bought so much equipment and bags and helmets and everything there because, uh, you know, you're getting a fair price and look, it's November, it's time to get going. So if you don't get it at the expo, when are you going to get it? Because the snow is falling. Don't let the snow fall before you have your equipment. And just to finish off here, I just looked at the calendar. This is next weekend. Mm -hmm. So when you're going to hear this and Next week, next uh, Thursday is when this fires off. Absolutely. We will be there. Mike, thank you very much. Eric, thank you. We're getting close to Thanksgiving here. We are. We're getting close to Christmas, and we are getting close to being skiing everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's, it's reality. We just put together the uh, November issue of New England Ski Journal, which should be on... Um, well, it should be live online, uh, right, as we're saying this, and it should be in your mailbox very soon. So that is something to look forward to. I um, hope you enjoy that. Mike, thank you very much. I am Eric Wilbur. This was the New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast, and we will see you next time. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp is a Siemens Media Podcast. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful.